I was reminded this past week of a little chapter near the very end of uh, St. Benedict's Rule for Monasteries, that document from the sixth century that has formed countless religious communities over the centuries since, and that continues to be influential and formative for many today. Tucked in among instructions on how the guests are to be welcomed, and how prayers are to be said, and how the kitchen is to be treated, there's a chapter called, If a Brother is Commanded to Do Impossible Things. It's a short chapter, and it doesn't actually give any examples of what those things might be. Kind of makes you curious, right? But the assumption, of course, is that Christian life and life in community will ask hard things of you. Things that are so hard they might seem impossible. Don't be too surprised if this sort of thing comes up. The chapter basically says. It's bound to, in fact. I don't know just what sorts of impossible things Benedict had in mind when he wrote that chapter 1,500 years ago, but maybe he was just thinking of our passage from the Gospel of Luke this morning. Because I don't know about you, but what Jesus commands us to do here sounds practically impossible to me. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, do not judge, do not condemn, forgive. As familiar as those words are, hearing them is still sort of like having a bucket of cold water dumped on our heads. Shocking, uncomfortable, disorienting. This way of being that Jesus describes sounds so strange, so different from how we are normally inclined to act and from how the culture around us works that our reflex can be to sort of grab a towel and dry off as quickly as we can and move on, try to forget that that rude awakening ever happened. But this is, of course, part of Christian faith, sitting with the discomfort together and grappling with the sometimes strange and difficult words of Jesus. These words address us today. They make a claim on us. So what will we do with them? and their seemingly impossible demand. On the surface, I think the meaning of Jesus' words here is pretty clear. It is not enough just to love those who are easy for you to love, he says. Those whom you naturally get along with. Those who treat you with kindness and generosity. Anybody can love those sorts of people back. In reality, of course, even loving those close to us can be a challenge sometimes. But Jesus demands something far more sweeping, far more challenging. He demands love for everyone, even for enemies. When people treat you badly or unfairly, respond not with vengeance and violence, but with goodness, with blessing, with prayer. Thou shalt not retaliate. I think it's worth noticing that Jesus doesn't say, like your enemies. It's an important distinction, right? You don't have to enjoy the company of people who treat you badly or oppose you in harmful ways. You don't have to work at manufacturing any good feelings about them. And you don't have to endlessly hang around them either. I can see absolutely nothing in what Jesus says here or anywhere else that should encourage one to remain loyal to a demeaning boss or an abusive partner. Jesus doesn't say, spend lots of time around your enemies but he does say love them, which to me means 
to wish for the good in their lives, to wish for their healing and wholeness, and to do anything in your power to foster it. He demands that we not wish ill on anyone, that we not seek revenge for wrongs done to us, that we not trade hurt for hurt, that we not retaliate with our words or our actions. And that's plenty hard. I don't know if it's nature or nurture or both, but there is no question about how we are generally inclined to act when someone hurts us. When someone shows disrespect or disregard for us or those close to us, when we suffer insult or injury, when someone perpetuates injustice or tramples on the rights of others, it feels only natural to want to do something to the offender in return, to render evil for evil. We want to pop him a good one in the nose, or at least say horrible things about him to our friends. Retaliation feels like the most natural of responses. The current flows in that direction. To actively seek blessing for the person who hurt you or made your life difficult is most definitely swimming upstream. But that's what Jesus demands that we do. And I do think it's striking that he doesn't say we should act this way because it's the most honorable thing to do or because it's going to solve our problems or make life easier. No, he says we are to behave this way because this is what God is like. God doesn't bless only the deserving. God doesn't give to us expecting payment in return. God doesn't discriminate among the lovable and unlovable but simply loves without distinction. You are to act with wild countercultural mercy, Jesus says, because that is how God acts. Okay, so on the one hand, that line of thinking might make this command seem all the more impossible. Just be merciful the way God is. In Matthew's version, Jesus says, be perfect as God is perfect. Sure, Jesus, no problem. I'll just take care of that later this afternoon. <laughs> the call to imitate God can make this demand seem all the more difficult. But I think there is another way to hear Jesus' words here. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Because embedded in those words is a breathtaking reality. The reality that we are part of God's family. We have been claimed and welcomed by this wildly merciful God, not kept at a distance, not sort of grudgingly accepted and allowed to be near, but fully and completely embraced. You are children of God, Jesus says. You are part of the family. And here's how our family behaves. Parents do this sort of thing all the time teaching children ways of acting that are expected in their particular home, in their particular family. You know what I mean. We make our beds in the morning before we go off to school. We say we are sorry after we hurt someone's feelings. We don't run circles in the living room with sharp objects. Parents are always teaching expected behaviors to their children. It's part of belonging to a family. And of course, the learning takes time and practice. 
I don't know any parents who just gave a list of table manners to their young children one day and found that mealtimes were forever after a perfectly civilized affair. Sure, a list might help, but the manners are actually formed through eating together time and again, through parents modeling what is expected and patiently or not so patiently saying once again, your fork is only for your food, not for poking your brother. We learn by being part of the family. So what if we think of Jesus' words that way? Not as an abstract list of do's and don'ts that we need to master in order to be accepted, or as a bunch of overwhelming ethical demands that we can never meet, but simply as the expected behaviors in God's household. They are the new way of living that we learn by being part of this family. It takes time a lifetime, or more. But because we are God's children, we keep being called back to the table to learn. Your hands are for blessing, not for hitting back. Your words are for praying, not for returning an insult. Your life is for loving, not for keeping score, not for retaliating. When we are grounded in our identity as God's beloved children, as people precious to God, as part of God's family, as those already blessed with gifts of belonging and hope and mercy and love, then responding to Jesus's commands actually looks a whole lot more like a certain kind of strength than it does like passivity. Acting in this way is not just lying down and letting life roll over you. It is standing up for something greater. It is living into your identity as a child of our merciful God. Because we are loved by God, we are not bound to nurse hatred and bitterness toward others. Because we are loved by God, we can disrupt the cycle of retribution and vengeance. Because we are loved by God, we can live out the truth of God's abundance rather than the lie of scarcity. Because we are loved by God, we can resist violence and retaliation. We can love instead. You really can do this, Jesus says. You are part of the family, and I'm here to teach you. It will take time, sure, and you are going to make mistakes. That's okay. We are called back to the table again and again to be reminded of all we still have to learn to watch Jesus model this merciful way of life that only he can, and to grow alongside others that he's been teaching as well. You really can do this. That's not to say it's easy. During our gospel reading this morning, we sang a prayer of Dietrich Bonhoeffer several times. Those words are simple and profound, and somehow they seem like an appropriate response to our reading today. It is an immense challenge that Jesus calls us to, one that can seem all but impossible sometimes. We may not always understand, but we keep responding in faith nonetheless, trusting that we are part of God's family and God knows the way for us. We pray those words once more together now, this time in English. That text is on page seven in your bulletin. God, 
gather and turn my thoughts to you. With you there is light, you do not forget me. With you there is help and patience. I do not understand your ways, but you know the way for me. Thanks be to God. Amen.